Good morning. <clears throat> you know, every time I, uh, when I'm driving, I, tr I try to listen to a uh, radio, and uh, it's KLAV 104.3. And there's this one-minute encouragement that comes up every now and then. And most of the times, the uh, encouragement that comes up is very uh, appropriate to what's happening to me for that day. Like It's like an encouragement from God himself saying that, hey, this is what I want to tell you. And this morning when Annie and I were driving, it was um, about Jonah. And uh, I forget who it was from. So he's like, do you believe everything in the Bible? And uh, he was like, uh, everything including the story of Jonah. And he was uh, pointing to how Jesus Christ himself in the New Testament, saying that how he is going to be in the belly for three days, just like Jonah did, and you need to believe everything and to the uh, last uh, stroke in every single uh, period. And I praise God for that. Thank you, for God, for your approval uh, to speak this, this morning. Uh, I think last time I had mentioned about how uh, Samson and Jonah were some of my favorite characters in my teenage years as a new Christian. Uh, I think, as I said, I, we didn't have a TV then. So reading the book of uh, Jonah and Samson uh, really amused me. And I always used to wonder, how did Jonah stay inside the belly of the fish for three days? For some reason, always when I pictured, he used to sit inside the, or in my mind, he was sitting inside the belly of the fish with a lamp. I don't know why. <laughs> I, I just don't know why. Uh, let's look unto the Lord of the prayer before we begin. Our Father in heaven, we uh, thank you, God, for bringing us together this morning. Good Lord, thank you for this Sunday you've given us, for a good weather, that we have the freedom uh, to come here to read from your word, to study. Father, we pray that you uh, talk to us through your Holy Spirit. Good Lord, I pray for me, uh, that you talk to me, uh, not my words, but your words. I pray that you put your words, use me as your instrument, as vessel to convey the message. Father, we pray for the ones who are on the way. We pray that your journey mercies be with them and bring them safe. This we pray in the good name of our Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. Jonah chapter 1, verses 1 and 2. Jonah chapter 1, verses 1 and 2. I'll be reading mostly from NIV. The word of the Lord came to Jonah, son of Amittai, saying, Arise, go to Nineveh, the great city, and cry against it, for their wickedness has come up before me. So the prophet here is commissioned to, grow, uh, uh, to go and uh, cry against the city of Nineveh. The mandate is very clear. It's obvious he is to uh, preach the message of judgment. He is to preach the message of warning. There's no doubt. It's very obvious. He, God is telling him, go and uh, tell those people that God is going to judge them. And uh, we read, uh, uh, Jonah rose up to flee to Tarshish from the presence of the Lord. So he went down to Joppa on the coast of Israel, found a ship which was going to Tarshish and paid the fare and went down into it to go with them to Tarshish from the presence of the Lord. So God told him, go to uh, uh, Nineveh, and he uh, gets up and he goes in the opposite direction. Thank you, Andy. So that's, uh, I just have one slide. I wanted to show the map of uh, Tarshish and Nineveh. So if you look at Nineveh, uh, it's on the east, right? Yeah, it's, it's on the east. And, uh, and where is uh, Jonah going? He's going to Tarshish, which is on the west. Okay, so it's not that uh, Jonah thought, okay, let me, you know, 
uh, go to Tarshish first, and it's uh, then uh, via that route I'll go to uh, Nineveh. That's not the case. He very well knew where he was going. It's complete opposite from where he is. Okay. In fact, I think uh, from where he was, yeah, it's like it's totally the other way. So there's no way that he was thinking. Okay, if I go there, I'll think about it. I'll change my mind, and then I'll go to uh, Nineveh. That's not the case. He made up his mind. He said, "No, I am going to disobey." Okay, when there's a clear indication from God that this is what I'm supposed to do, I will go in the opposite direction. I'm not going to do that. Uh, that's it. That's just one PowerPoint. So he runs in the opposite direction. God told him to go. He has no interest in obeying God whatsoever. So uh, he's going, and then what happens? The beginning chapter opens up with the storm. Uh, the storm that God sent was to catch uh, Jonah's attention. Uh, but before that, uh, God had to catch uh, uh, the Gentiles' attention, the sailors who were uh, sailing the boat. So uh, the storm is coming. And uh, this whole thing is happening in the uh, Mediterranean Sea, the current day Mediterranean Sea. Uh, I think I've heard or read about some of the reports how uh, some cyclones within the Mediterranean Sea can reach up to, I think, 100 hours per hour, 100 uh, miles an hour. That's hurricane level. And I'm guessing this is something like that. It's a violent cyclone that's happening. Uh, we read, uh, the Lord hurled a great wind on the sea, and there was a great storm on the sea, so that the ship was about to break. Now, this is not a natural storm. I'm looking at it from the sailor's perspective. This is not a natural storm for them. This is supernatural. Uh, this was not generated by any natural causes. This is clearly generated by God himself. This is a violent storm. Uh, now, the sailors who have been in the boat, I'm guessing that they have seen their fair amount, their share of all the waves, the storms. So it's not something new. The waves in themselves are not new, but nothing like this, right? Uh, we read that they try to uh, sail, and I'm guessing they might have heard from their friends also who have been sailing for a long time that, hey, you know what, we... Uh, we were sailing uh, yesterday, last week, and then there was these giant waves. So they might have heard all that, and they all survived. So I'm guessing it's nothing so big that uh, that was life-threatening. So here are these giant waves, that waves after waves, uh, crashing against the ship, against the uh, uh, decks that, that it's about to break. And they are all in panicked desperation. They are trying to row the boat, and they very well know it is uh, a supernatural because of all this. And um, Jonah, where is Jonah? Jonah is gone below the deck. He's sleeping. Uh, I'm guessing he must have been like really, really tired uh, to be sleeping in a situation like this. I wish I could sleep like this when, when there's noises and disturbance everywhere. Uh, so Jonah is asleep. Uh, the boat has been tossing and turning and whatnot, and still Jonah is sleeping. Uh, so the captain uh, goes to Jonah, and we read. He says, how is it you're sleeping? He says, get up, call on your God. Perhaps your God will be concerned about it so that we will not perish. Get up and call upon your God. Perhaps your God will, not be, con uh, God will be concerned about it so that we will not perish. And I was thinking, how was Jonah sleeping? Or he's pretending to be sleeping. We don't know. I was thinking, do we, at times when... Do we sleep at times when God is trying to uh, show us certain things? Many a times, we are all born-again believers, uh, but we have the potential to sin. That's what the Bible tells us. We have the old man in us, so we sin. And uh, when we know or uh, when, and when we do something wrong, something terribly wrong, 
and um, God wants to show us. Sometimes he does it through obvious ways. I was thinking, do we sometimes sleep? Now, when God puts it right in front of us and says, hey, you should not be doing this. You are doing this, and I'm making it obvious to you. And uh, that's what's happening here. Do we sleep at times? You know, I think I've shared this uh, story uh, sometime back. Uh, in the IT world, in the IT corporate world, the more jobs you switch, the better pay you get. Okay, so It's not always good, but at times it is. So the uh, higher pay you want, just switch more jobs. So in my, uh, the first job that I got, I, I only switched like one company. So in my first job in Bangalore that I got, uh, most of my friends who, when they completed three years, they started moving to different jobs because they wanted better pay. And I was also looking like, more money, why not? So I started looking for uh, another job too. I simply wouldn't clear any interview, I don't know why. Like, the interview would go really well, but they would not call me back. And I thought I was re doing really well, because within my company, we have this yearly uh, appraisal system that gives you a points uh, between one and five. The higher the point you get, that's what you pay depends. So I always used to get a really nice one. So I thought, why am I not getting a job outside? Because I'm doing good with the interview, why not? Uh, so my prayer was, God, let me clear the interview. That is all. My prayer was not, why is it God doesn't want me to have this job? And uh, then I took a step back and uh, said, God, I don't know why you don't want me to have this job, but may your will be done. And uh, after a week, my manager comes to me and says that, hey, you're required in uh, Cincinnati by Fifth Third Bank. I'm like, wow. So that is what brings me here, and that's why I'm here today talking to you. Uh, so what I was getting to is that many times, I guess, we, we are asleep, we, uh, we pray, uh, or to remove the obstacles that's right in front of us and not have the big picture of why is God allowing this. So Jonah is here, he's sleeping. Okay? And uh, we read that the people uh, within the uh, boat say that, uh, we, what do we read? Each man said to his mate, come let us cast lots so that we may learn on whose account this is happening. They want to find out who is responsible. Uh, the bottom line is they, they are pagan people. They are not believers. Right? The, in paganism, it's like if something's going wrong, somebody must be responsible. So let's cast lots and find out who it is. That is the only way they know. They, they cannot go to the Lord and uh, uh, their God and find out what's going wrong. So they cast lots. Um, so this time, it is God who is using those. He controls everything. He is using those lots to fall on Jonah. But then it still seems to be a little silly to find out that way because of their primitive way of thinking, their pagan way of finding out who it is. But God used that to directly point to Jonah and say that he is the one who is responsible. Um, verse 11, chapter 1. We read, What should we do that the sea may become calm for us? For the sea was becoming increasingly stormy. So they're asking, uh, what should we do? Uh, the more uh, they try, the more uh, stormy it gets, the more strong it gets. So they knew that he is disobeying God, Jonah just said. Uh, what happened, and then um, they're like, what should we do? Uh, so they're asking him, hey, do like, tell us, otherwise we are all going to die. And what does Jonah tell them? He says, uh, pick me up and throw me into the sea, then the sea will become calm for you, for I know that account of me, this great storm has come upon you. Uh, Jonah is very right. Jonah knows uh, what's going on. He gets it after all this. He knows that this is a direct work of God. 
But what happens? The uh, sailors, they are reluctant after all that, but still they have some human love, so they don't want to do it. As I said, they try desperately. They row more uh, strongly, but then the more they try it, it's, it's not working out. Um, so uh, we read, they say, we earnestly pray, O Lord, do not let us perish on account of this man's, uh, this man's life and do not put innocent blood on us. For you, O Lord, have done as you have pleased. So they have understood who's, uh, uh, who Jonah's God is. They are saying that, okay, we, we're going to do this, but then don't hold us accountable for it. So uh, they take Jonah, they toss him in the water. What happens? Yeah, verses 15. Uh, verse 15, right, yep. Uh, they picked up Jonah, threw him into the sea, and the sea stopped its raging. So God used this situation. There was a little revival in the boat. <laughs> Uh, they all got to know who uh, Jonah's God is. He is a true and the living God. Use, God used even that uh, circumstance. So uh, we read, the men feared the Lord greatly. They offered a sacrifice to, to the Lord and they made vows. So when they saw the demonstration of the miraculous uh, seizing of the storm, everything is calm. They repent. Uh, they believe that this is the true and the living God. They became believers. And uh, we know the one after that. And uh, the Lord appointed a great fish, we read, and to, uh, to swallow Jonah. And Jonah was in the stomach of the fish three days and three nights. Now, I was thinking, that's good enough to get rid of Jonah, right? He's going in the opposite direction, and then he's sleeping or pretending to be sleeping. Yeah, I'm guessing he did not tell the sailors what happened first. Uh, and then uh, is thrown into the sea. That's that's good enough. You have a fish, and you know, let the fish eat him. Uh, but God didn't uh, think of it in that way, right? Uh, he kept uh, Jonah safe. You know, many of them ridiculed, or even today, ridicule the story of Jonah. They say, you know, one of the big flaws in the Bible is how can a fish eat? How can a fish uh, swallow a man, and the man can be surviving? in the belly of the fish for like three days. And I, I read that. At, I, first, I heard it from my Bangalore church about a, a, a guy who said about the story, about a person named uh, James Barclay in the, in the 1890s. Yeah, 1890s. It was all over the newspaper, it seems, here in the U.S., uh, that, that this guy was swallowed by a giant uh, sperm whale, and then he survived. The uh, whale, uh, I think, uh, the whale died because of constipation. He showed no digestion. And uh, the guy survived. Uh, there was, like, uh, skin burns all over. But then that story became really popular. Uh, I was thinking, praise God. But God went through all the trouble. He's uh, keeping Jonah. Uh, I, I don't know much uh, about uh, James Bartley, or I, I didn't read a lot. But then I'm... I'm guessing it must not have been a very uh, pleasant uh, three-day trip. Uh, it, it must be a wet, uh, indescribable three-day trip. It is, he is uh, cramped in uh, darkness. There is uh, uh, stench, and uh, his uh, skin is burning because of the acid from the stomach. There is constant uh, change in pressure because the, uh, the fish is going up and down, and not to mention the constant uh, nausea, right? Like, I don't know how he did, but then it's a miraculous thing. Both the fish and him survived. Uh, one thing uh, that I always uh, wonders me is how did the oxygen level go up and down? I don't know. 
Uh, that I do not know. God took care of that. But one thing I do know is this experience humbled Jonah. Right? Jonah was not the same uh, later. Later in his prayer we read uh, verse 1 of chapter 2. What do we read? I called out of my distress to the Lord. He answered me. I cried for help from the depths of Sheol. Now he's looking back and remembering uh, the time when he was, I'm guessing that the book is written after he came out and not uh, like it was written, it was by himself. So he's looking back and he's thinking about all the times he had uh, when inside. So that's why we read, you had cast me into the deep, into the heart of the seas and the current engulfed me and all your breakers and billows passed over me. So I said, I have been expelled from your sight. Nevertheless, I will look again toward your holy temple. He thought when he went into the water, that's it, this is the end. Uh, I'm not going to come up. This is going to be the end and I'm going to die and uh, God, uh, I, I've got what I deserve. Uh, but then what happened? He turned that into a worship. We read in the following verses, uh, water encompassed me to the point of death. The great deep engulfed me. Weeds were wrapped around my head. I descended to the roots of the mountain. The earth with its bars were around me forever. You have brought me, brought me up my life from the pit. O oh Lord, my God, when I was fainting away, I remembered the Lord. My prayer came to you in your holy temple. Those who regard vain idols forsake their faithfulness, but I will sacrifice to you with the voice of the thanksgiving. That which I have owed, I will pay. Salvation is from the Lord. So, uh, he is uh, worshipping God. He is... Uh, Praising God for what he's done. Now, let's. Now he's inside the belly of the fish. Now, take a minute and think about who is Jonah. He's going through all this trouble. Who is Jonah? Jonah is a prophet, right? That, that's what we read. He's got a message from God. Now, uh, what are uh, prophets supposed to do? Prophets are supposed to preach. They're supposed to pronounce judgment. They're supposed to warn. They are, uh, ask, they are supposed to ask people to repent. But what is Jonah doing? He's running away. He is, uh, he is hiding. I think uh, Jonah forgot about uh, Psalms 139 where it says, even if I dwell in the remotest part of the sea, thou art there. Looks like he forgot that. So Jonah is trying to hide. So Jonah is a prophet. And why? And God is telling him that you need to go and preach, which is his basic duties. His, it's his job. And why is Jonah so adamant about not doing that? Why is he going the opposite direction, taking all the pain? And what does he have to do? So, like, uh, why is he hating the uh, Nineveh, the Ninevites so much? Nineveh is the capital city of the Assyrian Empire. We get that from the book of Isaiah. Uh, we read from, within this book itself how uh, Nineveh had a population of 120,000. Now, some of the commentators say it's not actually 120, it's 600,000 because there's a verse that says there are 100, 120,000 people who do not know from the left and the right. Some say that that, they, that is referring to the uh, children below the age of five, and hence they do not know their right and left, and which means all put together, including the adults, it must be 600,000. Some of them say that is referring to um, uh, people who are sinning, who do not know what is right and wrong from a spiritual sense. We do not know that, but it's a really big city, 120,000, which is exceptionally large. It was built by a man named Nimrod. Nimrod, you can find him in uh, Genesis chapter 10 and 11. Okay? And what is Nimrod famous for? Also building the Tower of Babel. Okay? That's what Nimrod is famous for. 
And we know what happened with the Tower of Babel. God had to confuse. So, so Nimrod is the one who initially built the city. He's a great-grandson of Noah. So Nineveh, the Assyrian city, was a pagan one, very, very wicked. And uh, Jonah did not have anything to do with them. Okay, Jonah did not want to have anything to do with them. Nineveh represented in all the way an evil generation. It represented a wicked people. Uh, as impressive as they were, they were like so wicked. They were so brutal. They were so vicious. They massacred their um, enemies. They mutilated uh, their uh, captives. They decapitated whoever, all their enemies. So in all the sense, they did all gory forms of things to their enemies. So Jonah's like, no way, I'm not... Uh, going to Nineveh and preach to them, I'm going to Tarshish. And that is why he did that. Jonah, during his time, he ministered during the, he ministered in the northern side of the Israel, which is very close to the Assyrian Empire. So he very well knew what the Ninevites were like. He was uh, preaching during the time of King Jeroboam II, that is around 790 uh, BC. So, uh, since he know them so very well, he like, I am not going to Assyrians. I am not going to uh, let them repent. Uh, God, he does not want God to forgive them. He does not want God to take, he does not want to take the message of forgiveness. He does not want to take the message of, of grace. He wants God to judge them. He wants God to destroy them. So because he knows everything about them, he's like, no way God can have God can forgive them is, is what he's thinking in his heart. That reminded me of something that I had read in uh, Daily Bread like long, long ago. I had this tiny little booklet while I was in uh, Bangalore, India. Uh, that, that was a really old one. Uh, it was titled, How Can I Forgive? And I surprisingly found it online. It's titled, How Can I Forgive? Uh, and it goes like this. Some of life's hurt are so deep and painful that to forgive the people who cause them seems impossible. Yet Jesus says that we can't experience his forgiveness if we have an unforgiving spirit. In World War II, Corrie Ten Boom and his sister Bestie were arrested for concealing Jews and were sent to a German concentration camp. Bestie died a slow and terrible death as a result of the cruel treatment. Then in 1947, Corey spoke about God's forgiveness to a church in Munich. Afterward, a man sought her out. She recognized him as one of the guards who had mistreated her and Bestie. He told her that he had become a Christian and with extended hand, he had asked for forgiveness. Corey struggled with her feelings, but when she recalled the words of Jesus in Matthew 6.15, she knew she had to forgive. She silently prayed, Jesus, help me and thrust her hand into the hand of her former tormentor. You know, someone once said, forgiveness is not a case of holy amnesia that wipes out the past. Instead, it is the experience of healing that drains the poison from the wound. I'll repeat that. Forgiveness is not a case of holy amnesia that wipes out the past. Instead, it is the experience of healing that drains the poison from the wound. God asks us to do to others what he has done to us. God forgave our sins, and he will give us the strength to forgive others. I'm the third child for my parents. Uh, I have an older brother and older sister. Growing up in Bangalore, it seemed like my brother was my mortal enemy. But my uh, 
parents uh, thought how to forgive one another, so both of us survived and we are alive. Now, of course, God was aware of what the Ninevites have done, what they are up to. He knew everything about them. But then God wanted to save them. Now, decades after, we know that uh, the Assyrians, they captured Israelites, okay? And God would condemn them uh, through prophet Nahum. And uh, he would uh, pronounce judgment. Uh, God would bring judgment on the, Isra- uh, on the Assyrian Empire, on the people, the same people. But then as far as this generation is concerned, God wanted them to be saved. That, that's his uh, sovereignty. That's, uh, we are getting an insight into his uh, sovereign purpose. That's God's way of uh, dealing. That's for God to decide. And who is Jonah to decide whether they should be saved or not? Jonah's nobody. He doesn't get a say into whether they should be saved or uh, should not. So, so he's in the fish. The fish uh, vomits him in the land after three days. And then what happens? He reluctantly uh, goes to Nineveh. He uh, preaches to them and they're all saved. Uh, they repent, all of them. They put sackcloth. We read more about it. Uh, so the entire city is saved by just one man's uh, preaching. Uh, they all uh, know God. And... Um, we read afterwards in uh, chapter 4 and verse 2, we read, He prayed uh, to the Lord and said, Please, Lord, was not this what I said while I was still in my own country? Therefore, in order to forestall this, I fled to Tarshish. For I knew that you are a gracious and compassionate God, slow to anger and abundant in loving kindness, and one who relents concerning calamity. So he's now what? Angry against God for forgiveness. Like, I told you this is what exactly is going to happen. I was like, see, I'm right. I, I was going to Tarshish because these people deserved uh, to die. These people deserve to be judged. And uh, I knew they will be saved. And I'm like, oh, how, how could you do this? You, may, you forced me to come here and a priest. Now they are all saved. And I was thinking, if I was God, I'm nowhere comparing. But then uh, put yourself in the shoes of God. Okay. Here's a prophet who's supposed to do something uh, that is uh, preach, which is his primary duty. Uh, God gave a very direct, clear message. He went in the opposite direction. God is trying to bring him back. Uh, he spoke through the Gentiles, asked him what he was doing. He repented. Uh, he said that he was fleeing from God. He made a miraculous fish uh, to swallow him. He kept him for three days. He brought him to Nineveh. He preached. And then uh, what happened? After all this, he's again now angry against God. Like, how can you do this? No, you cannot do this. And if it is me, if I had the power, like I did, like, that's it, you're done. Okay? Yeah, you're out. Strike, uh, no, strike 100. But, but, but what happens? He's like, that's not what we read God did. Right? God uh, brought up a plant to show how much God loves the humans he created. That that was like really amazing to me. Like, how did, how did God do that? How did he have the uh, patience to do that? It sounds uh, somewhat like my story. You know, many a times when I've done something wrong and I like, would God uh, love me again? Would God forgive me for what we have done, what I've done? And over and over again, I, I believe that everyone sitting here can say that God forgives and he speaks to us through different ways. He says, uh, son, daughter, I forgive you for what you have done. And he brings us back. Now, uh, before I 
close, I, I'll, I'll do a quick quiz. Uh, it's a very small book, right? We, we know all the important characters. The fish, uh, Jonah, Nineveh. These are the main characters uh, in, in this book. And how many times do you think uh, the fish, the giant fish, uh, is mentioned in this book. How many times is, uh, how many times do we see fish mentioned in the uh, four chapters? Don't look at your Bible. Uh, how many times do you think? Take a guess. Four times. Good. Four. Uh, how many times is Nineveh, the city, uh, mentioned in these uh, four chapters? How many times? Uh, some versions have eight. Some versions have nine. Okay. How many times is uh, Jonah mentioned in this book? Take guess. Eighteen. Very good. Uh, there's something that's mentioned uh, thirty-eight times. Something in this uh, uh, all these four chapters that's mentioned thirty-eight times. What is that? Take a guess. God. God is mentioned thirty-eight times in this book. Okay. With all the big things going on, I guess. Sometimes we lose sight of the big picture, right? We get, uh, even in our lives, when God puts different things in our lives, we get so carried away by uh, the things in themselves and we forget the purpose of it. The whole purpose of the book of Jonah was not the fish. It is not the Jonah. It was not the Nineveh. It is God himself. Uh, Sometimes the supernatural waves come in our way. Sometimes uh, big fishes uh, swallow us. Uh, sometimes uh, giant cities amuse us, but uh, God is saying that all these things have put there as just as objects for your attention, okay? Just for your attention on me and nothing else. Uh, these are things to demonstrate my love towards you, demonstrate my mercy towards you, and nothing more than that. So uh, pray, hope that uh, we all... Uh, have that vision. We pray, uh, hope, and uh, we thank God for the Holy Spirit has put in us that we could focus our uh, attention on him and not lose sight of everything, anything else. Uh, let's uh, look to the Lord in prayer before we close. Father in heaven, we thank you, God, for this uh, beautiful small book. Father, there's so much more uh, for us to learn from this book. Good Lord, you send Jonah uh, to a wicked uh, people, a wicked generation uh, uh, in some way uh, relate like us. Good Lord, we were wicked. Uh, Our thoughts, our actions, everything were evil. Father God, you saved us. Uh, We read that our sins were red as crimson and you uh, made it white as snow. Father God, we thank you for that. We thank you for sending your uh, only son, Jesus Christ, to die on the cross for our stead. Father, we thank you so much that you found us. uh, Your word says that you first love this. And we thank you. Good Lord, we uh, thank you for uh, the different things that you've put in our life. Uh, the wealth, the health, uh, the, um, uh, all the other things, the Father, that some, uh, some others do not have the privilege. Some other parts of the world, they, do, they don't have this. You've given us the freedom to come worship you and, uh, and everything, all the luxuries, the Father. Help us to use all this to Glorify your name, help us to use all this to praise you more uh, and nothing that would distract us. Father God, your word says that anything that distracts us is an idol. Uh, We pray that there would not be idols in our lives. We pray that uh, we would use all this for your glory and yours alone. Father God, once again, we pray for the ones around the way as we get into our 
worship meeting. We pray that uh, you speak to us through your Holy Spirit. May we fix our eyes on you. And may we remember what you did for us on the cross. Uh, thank you, God, once again. And this we pray in the most holy and matchless name of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen.